Guys, so good to be with you. Uh, there is our zhuzhi little, one of my photographer friends said, we put up such terrible photos. Please, can I take a few photos of your family? So there is a photo of our family, and this is like the second time I'm getting to use it. We've got our three kids. I cannot believe it. I am a father of a high schooler this year. Nina, our eldest, uh, just went to high school, and that's Eva and Oscar, two others. So we bring greetings this morning to Common Ground Bloberg from our family. Uh, Granny and Grandpa have moved in, and they're looking after the kids, and they've all got got their own programs, so they asked if they could stay in Rondebosch this morning. Uh, we've got our 25th celebration as Common Ground coming up this coming weekend, next weekend, and because of that, we've got some friends coming in, and so my, my parents uh, have pulled their, their caravan into our front lawn, and we've got so many activities that they've pretty much just on-hand babysitters, and if you need them to come to you next, won't you tell me? <laughs> And uh, I will, for a price, get them to come to you. But it's amazing. We're trying this for only the second time, but delighted uh, to have these celebrations and things coming up, which has got nothing to do with what I'm going to be speaking to you about today. I really believe, and I often say uh, to our people in Bosch, Common Ground Bosch, whenever we come to God's Word, we do well. I can't remember who said this originally, uh, Nigel somebody, but he, he, it's something that stuck with me. Whenever we come to God's word, we do well not to come and sit over it in judgment. We, we do well to come to God's word and sit under it as a waterfall of truth and grace to our lives. And this morning, we're going to be looking at a, a, some verses from Proverbs, the first five chapters of the book of Proverbs, and I'm trusting that God is going to allow this to be a waterfall of His, His grace and His truth to our lives. And so I want to encourage you, won't you open your hearts to God's Word leading us this morning? And I know that we're fresh into the new year 2022, and I know all of us are hoping that it's going to be up and to the right from 2020 and 2021, right? Hopefully much better than those years. But what I love about the provocation of the book of Proverbs is it's, it calls us to consider the ways that we will walk in. Proverbs is an amazing book. It's called Wisdom Literature, written by mostly King Solomon, likely one of the wisest people to have ever walked the earth, a supernatural wisdom given by God to this king at a specific time. And I've chosen this subject to speak to us because really, with all of my heart, I believe that it's God's way of wisdom that is the only true way for us to move into all the things that the human heart longs for most. Fulfillment, joy, love, contentment, and truly living the good life. How many of us want to live the good life? Yeah? Okay, it's just me and that guy over there. Great. We're going to have so much fun living this life. But the truth is, I believe with all my heart, our desire is for this good life. And God has created us with this desire. That is not a bad thing. The problem is that we let ourselves settle for so much less so often. We don't get into the fullness of the very purest expression and experience of the good life that the creator of the universe has for us. And so, if I had to give today a sermon title, it would be this, Walk in the Ways of God's Wisdom. And God, we do 
this morning want to come to you. We want to ask you, won't you breathe your life and your truth and your grace into us freshly as we come to your word. Allow it to wash over us fresh perspective. Allow it to minister your truth to the depths of our being. And Holy Spirit, we open ourselves to your whispers and to your words. And we ask you to lead us in your ways. We pray this all in your beautiful name, God. Come and be with us now. Amen. Here's the first big point that I want to draw out of the first five chapters of Proverbs for us when it comes to walking in the ways of God's wisdom. Chapter 1, verse 7 says this, the fear of God is the beginning of true wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of true wisdom. In other words, having a right view of who God, who God is, so this is not a bad fear, this is a, this is a righteous, good, holy fear, having a right view of who God is and a right view of who we are, what that does is it naturally kind of leads us to a place where we would rightfully respond to Him. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom starts by recognizing that we are created ones. There is a creator who breathed in his very own otherness, breathed creation into being. And we don't know exactly what that looks like and how that happened, but we know that he spoke creation. That which was not created has been created. And guess what? We're not the center of the universe. He is, right? He is the creator. And it helps us to understand that uh, he has created us, that we are created ones. But then it also helps us to look to him for the answers around what is he created us for? What has he created us for? Because when we understand that, we can get on with living the life that we've been created for. That leads us to the second big point from the beginning of Proverbs. Trust God's wisdom, not your own. Proverbs 3, 7 says it very directly. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. And listen to the most likely, most well-known verse of the whole book. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, just before that. It says, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. And do not lean on your own understanding. Don't make up your own version of what wisdom looks like. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And God is designer and creator and he has made us. And we should aim to understand the way he has created things to be. And we should trust him. We should trust him and we should walk in his ways. How many of us remember whose line is it anyway? It was a TV program with a bunch of comedians. You guys remember that? I used to love that program, right? It was still back in the day where you couldn't actually just watch a whole bunch of them. You actually had to wait until like Thursday evening and then you can watch one. But whose line is it anyway? It was kind of like um, theater sports and a whole bunch of comedians are on this program. And the game that I loved the most was called Props. Okay, so props would be like they'd put a pile of a whole bunch of things over here, and then the comedians would, would be given a number, and they'd grab a number, and they'd have to walk up to number, let's say, six, and it's an orange traffic cone, right? And they then have to explain to everyone in the audience what that thing is actually for. 
And they're not allowed to use its original intent, right? And they would pick up this coat and they'd be like, yes, this is definitely a loud halo. And then they'd put it on their head and they'd be like, no, this is the witch's hat. And, you know, they'd do all those kinds of things. And I used to love that because they were so genius in what they would come up with. And you could see just the pride they would take and they'd all laugh at each other and things like that. The unfortunate thing is that I feel like a whole lot of us play props with life. We kind of like, imagine, what is this thing for? Let's just try it out. Maybe this life thing is for personal success. Maybe this life thing is for becoming an academic genius. Maybe this life thing is for just me and mine. And and we play props with this thing called life. And I think God would have us say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't play props with life and kind of try different things out. No, in all your ways, acknowledge him and walk in his way. And we we know that making our path straight, now that doesn't sound like much to us, but actually what that means is that's the modern version of, and he will lead you into the fullness of the good life that you so long for, right? Which leads to the third big point that I want to make for, from the first few chapters of Proverbs. It says this, God's way of li- wisdom leads to life. God's ways of wisdom lead to life. Proverbs is actually so strong on this matter of we have a choice. As you enter into 2022, you have a choice. Which way will you walk? Which path will you choose? And it says this, Proverbs 1.31 says, they shall eat the fruits of their way. It says we get to choose, but it also says that the way we choose comes with an experience of different fruits. How many of us know that to be true, right? If we head out into series, we're going to get something. If we head out to Franchuk, we're going to get something else. Because these ways lead to a different kind of fruit. I won't get into the fruit right now. But it says we shall eat the fruits of our way. If we choose the ways of life, we get to eat the fruit of those ways. And listen to some of the promises of Proverbs chapter 1 through 5 about God's way ultimately leading to fullness and good life. Proverbs 1.23, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. And it's speaking actually in that context about, hey, if you're going in a certain way, you hear God's reproof and you turn, as you turn, what does God do? God meets you there and he pours out his spirit upon you and he, he ministers his truth. He makes his words known to us. Proverbs 3.17, and this is speaking about the way of wisdom. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. How many of us want pleasantness and peace in 2022? Yes, me, that guy, and two more this time. Well done, right? Pleasantness and peace. That's what the road, that's the fruit that the ways of God's wisdom hold for us. Proverbs 3.23 says, Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. And most probably my favorite out of these verses, chapter 4, verse 18, the path of the righteous. In other words, those who walk in God's way of wisdom, the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn, which shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until full day. There's a day when Jesus will return and we'll live in the fullness of all of it, right? 
But His promise is when we walk in the wisdom of His ways, we walk in a life that gets brighter and brighter. How many of us know that that is the good life that God is calling us to? We'll talk a little bit later about the compound interest of walking in the ways of God. And these are just some of the promises for how God's way of wisdom leads to life. But guess what? I don't need to tell you this. It's not the only way on offer. And Proverbs 1 through 5 actually speaks to some other ways that are on offer to us. And guess what Proverbs calls them? The fool's way, right? And you would think just by calling it that, we would be deterred, but we're not, right? We're happy to participate in walking in the fool's way sometimes. 1 Corinthians 1.20 says that these other options available to us are based on the wisdom of the world. And remember that other point is we should not lean on our own understanding. But this takes us to point four. Don't walk the fool's way in the wisdom of the world. Pretty obvious, right? Great points. Pretty direct right there. But listen for a moment to just a snapshot of some of the ways that Proverbs mentions and, and, and something of the fruit that, that is down these ways. Chapter 1, I'm just going to take one example from each of these five chapters. Chapter 1 mentions this, the greedy way. 1 verse 19 says, the greedy way takes away the life of its possessors. That's an interesting economy, isn't it? Man, if you're on the take to get more and more, what Proverbs tells us is that you will actually live in less and less. And many of us know this to be true, right? The more you're on the take, the more insatiable the desire for more becomes and the less contentment we actually live in. That's why it's saying it takes away the life of its possessors. Chapter 2 mentions the perverted way. Haven't used that word in a long time, right? Chapter 2 and, and chapter 5 mention the adulterer's way. And we can think of all the things that we would want to package in that suitcase of the perverted and the adulterer's way. But in many ways, I think we could refer to these paths as the paths of instant gratification, right? Chapter 5, verse 6 says these key words about the adulterer, that they do not ponder the path of life. It's almost like, man, right now I want that thing. Yay, let's have that thing. And only consideration is given for that which is in front of me. I have not pondered the path of life. I've not pondered where this path leads to. That's what the scripture is saying when it comes to these ways. And it points out the short-sightedness of an instant gratification approach to life. It doesn't really work out in the long run, does it? Some of our senior citizens sitting here in the room are kind of like, yep, that way doesn't work out. The instant gratification way. Chapter 4 mentions the wicked way. We kind of know what this way is. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Watching a Netflix documentary about the puppet master, this con man that cons a whole bunch of people. You can't believe what this guy gets right and manipulating people. And yet the thing that marked it as I was watching it is, man, this guy is always feeling like he's going to trip himself up. He is so anxious. He, he becomes like completely consumed with keeping all his lies in order and telling so many. It just feels like he's walking in the darkness. Surely he's going to stumble soon enough. That's not the life I want to live as you watch that guy. And then the last one is this, and most probably this from chapter uh, five, most probably 
packed the hardest punch to me when it came to the other ways available to us, the undisciplined way. Listen to chapter 5, verse 23. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. In other words, a lack of discipline leads to a lack of life. We all know this to be true. I know this to be true. A lack of discipline leads to a lack of life. When I'm not kind of totally on top of my weight and watching my exercise and what I'm eating, it leads to tiredness and it leads to a lack of focus and it leads to my energy levels being bad and my sleep not being as good and my health and my contentment. All of those kinds of things get affected when I give myself to the way of ill discipline, right? Anybody else in the room? Just me and that guy again? Hey, yeah? Yes, we're there. We know this to be true, right? And I would love to have just taken that out of my sermon. But that's where it hit me, and why wouldn't I be honest about that? I can't ask you guys to consider your way, and then when you receive the reproof of God, then, no, I need to receive that myself. I need to make sure that I realize that I am a product of the undisciplined way. I need to give myself to turning at his reproof and tapping into the resources along the way of God's wisdom. Now, these are just five examples, right, from the first five chapters. And I know there's so many more, and you, you could most probably add to that the way that you feel like is not life-giving, but somehow you still walk. I know it's just not me. I know more of us do that, right? So obviously, I think the call to us today is let's be those who fear him. Let's choose the life-giving ways of God's wisdom. Let's fear him. He is God. We are not. Let's trust him. Let's count on his ways, not our own understanding. And let's walk in those ways of wisdom. And let's not go down these other fool's ways on offer. But now, let me ask you a very important question. Which way will you go this year? Which path will you take? What does it mean for you to say yes to walking in the ways of God's wisdom? What does that mean for you? And here's a a key question that I've been asking of my own life. If I know, if I know that these other fool's ways don't lead to life, and if I know that the path of life is in this direction, and, and I'm one of those who's truly decided that I want to walk in the wisdom of God's ways, why is it that it so often feels so hard? Why? And I think there are a number of reasons, right, that we feel up against it all the time. Why it doesn't feel like we, we, we are walking downhill, sometimes it can feel like we're walking uphill in, in the ways of God's wisdom. Sometimes we can experience just a little bit of a low-lying anxiety about, am I getting life right? Where's that questioning coming from? If I, if I can identify that's the fool's way, and I can identify that this is the way of God's wisdom, why is it that I'm not freely walking in that? And I feel like there are a number of answers. Obviously, it's, it's way easier to choose the way than it is to walk it, right? When we say, God, be leader and Lord in my life. That happens in a moment, but to actually say every step of the way, God, be leader and Lord in my, in my decisions and in my relationships and in my finances and, and in my career, and in, that's way harder, right? And sometimes we can feel like the world is shifting, 
And there's, uh, in a sense, uh, there's, there's, lots of, there's lots more feeling against us in the way of God's wisdom. But I read a great book these holidays. It's called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. If you've read Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, you know this guy. He's an incredibly helpful, uh, articulate author. He's a pastor in a very progressive city, Portland in, in the States. And he writes so beautifully to help us understand the ancient truths and how we apply them to our lives today. And he welcomes us in again and again and again, walking in the ways of Jesus, walking in the, the wisdom of, of God. And I, I love what he's got to, got to say in this book. Uh, he, he powerfully presents the realization that in many ways, walking this road feels difficult a lot of the time because of three age-old enemies. And this is going to help you. This has helped me a lot in the last couple of weeks, right? Three age-old enemies of the Christian disciple walking in the ways of the wisdom of God. And they sound very Christianese, but I'm going to unpack you. The devil, the flesh, and the world. Okay? You don't have to burn your CDs or your Smurfs, okay? I'm going to unpack how these are really explicitly and wonderfully tangible in our lives all the time. Think about this. John McCombe in the book unpacks it like this, which has been so helpful. The devil is called the father of lies, right? And so what is the primary way? Does he rock up with a pitchfork and a kind of horns? No. The primary way that our age-old enemy seeks to rob our joy and knock us off track is through sowing deceitful ideas into our worlds. Deceitful ideas. And then here's the sad part. That's the devil, right? Those deceitful ideas play right into my disordered desires. My disordered desires. That's the flesh. And then, unfortunately, not only does he sow deceitful ideas, which play right into my disordered desires, but then there's a whole crowd of people around me kind of going, yeah, that's totally normal. You do you. And what happens? That's the world cheering us on. Normalized, these, these ideas and my disordered uh, uh, desires are completely normalized in a sinful society. Let me give you a great example, right? Last Saturday, preparing to pe preach in Bosch, and, and I'm already feeling pretty convicted at the beginning of the year about my weight. And as I remember, it was a hot day last Saturday. You guys remember last Saturday? Very hot, right? So I'm preach prepping, and my whole family decides what would be the best thing to do to support me is to go to the beach so they're out my way, right? So a little bit of FOMO. But anyway, they come back from the beach, and I have been working hard, and my daughter, as lovely as she is, slips a white almond magnum across the table. Daddy, well done. You missed out on the beach. Come on. You, you must have this magnum. And I look at that magnum. And what do I say to myself? I didn't say anything. The magnum started speaking to me. <laughs> and it said to me that I would be more joyful and I would be more content and I would be happier with me, it inside of me, right? And it started, and, and can you see the deceptive idea? It started telling me that's what's going to be joyful. The deceptive idea was sown. And guess what? It played directly into my disordered eye, uh, uh, desires because I started thinking to myself, I like magnums. 
I like magnums. And I've worked so hard and I didn't get to go to the beach. I deserve this magnum. And then guess what? All my family around me pulled out their magnums and started eating them. And what happened? It means that my decision to eat this magnum was completely normalized in the sinful society of my family. Do you see the trio, the sucker punch that the devil, the flesh, and the world bring to us? I've just driven it home in the illustration of a magnum, right? But it's this triple whammy of deception and desire and normalization that make it so hard for us to walk in the ways of the wisdom of God. And since I've started understanding this and seeing it, and it's all out of the scriptures, you go watch the, the, the epistles written to the churches and how powerful they are to watch out for this enemy, the devil, and don't give in to your flesh and make sure that you don't allow those others around you to shape your character, right? Normalize these unhelpful activities. It's all over the scriptures, these are the enemies of the soul continually making it hard for us to walk in the wonderful ways of God's wisdom. John Mark Homer summarizes it like this. I'll put it up on the screen. The devil's goal is to first isolate us. Pause for a moment. Guys, when we talk about community leaders like we did here this morning, we're not talking about the kind of lovely little Christian get-together club. No, we're talking about a vital and life-giving connection to other lives in a way that allows the Spirit of God to be ministered to you and for you not to find yourself in isolation so that the devil with his deceptive ideas can play to your disordered uh, appetites and then you can find yourself normalized out there in society that that's all okay. No, we give ourselves to spiritual community as an act of war against the devil wanting to isolate us. Do you see it? I don't believe that this is an optional extra for the Christian who's living in the will and ways of God. Community is an absolutely vital reality for us. The devil's goal is first to isolate us, then to implant in our minds deceitful ideas that play to our disordered desires, which we feel comfortable with because they're so normalized by the status quo of our society. Specifically, he lies about who God is. And who we are, what the good life is, with an aim to undermine our trust in God's love and wisdom. His intent is to get us to seize autonomy from God, to start to lean on our own understanding. Can you see it? And to redefine good and evil for ourselves, thereby leading to the ruin of our souls and society. We have an age-old enemy to our souls. I'm seeing the world in a fresh new way since John Mark Homer has helped bring these things to life for me. And I'm trying to identify these three enemies in fresh new ways every day. Which deceptive ideas am I believing, Lord? As I walk in your way, as I've said yes to King Jesus and walking in the wisdom of your way, which deceptive ideas am I believing about you, Lord? Which deceptive ideas am I believing about me, Lord? Which deceptive ideas am I believing about the good life, Lord, as I walk each day? And God helps me in that. And which disordered desire is this playing to 
or speaking to in my life? Just asking that question is so helpful. And then in which kind of how is this normalized all around me? How's this normalized? God, that kind of activity, watching that kind of program, how's that normalized in my life? That's a deceitful idea that actually that's going to be true entertainment. It's going to feed my soul. No, actually, I've experienced it to drain my soul when I just get myself to bin watching those things. But yet there's an appetite in me to just, to just receive. And, and Lord, all my friends are doing it. Do you see how it works? So helpful even sometimes within my Christian friendship circles, to recognize which deceitful ideas have been normalized in my life and are playing to the kind of disruptive or, or, or disordered desires in me. Now, I don't say any of this by way of wanting to induce fear in us because we don't need to be fearful. I'm wanting to help us see things that we should see so that we can more confidently realize what we don't have and what we need to get. And we've got to understand that God has said that we should not be troubled in this world where he knew the three age-old enemies of the devil, the flesh, and the world are going to be rife to us, right? And guess what? King Solomon penned the words of Proverbs wisdom, and he did not always walk in it. But what didn't he have? King Solomon did not have the resurrected, incarnate, living God dwelling within him. Christ follower, you have King Jesus sitting on the throne of your hearts. And for anyone in the room who is not a Christ follower, there's every day an invitation for you to recognize him as leader and Lord and to welcome him to be that in your heart and your life. Every day, and today is one of those days. But King Solomon also did not have the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And Spirit is described in Scripture as our counselor to help us discern deceptive ideas. And Spirit is, is described in, in the Scriptures as our comforter to come alongside us as we deny ourselves. And Spirit is described as our guide to help us navigate through this world where Evil is being redefined as good and good as evil. And here's the good news. If we want to walk more and more in the wisdom of God's ways in our lives, we need not, need, need not be knocked off track. We need not be led astray. We just have to grow in tapping into the Spirit's power and allowing Him to work through us every day, allowing Him to help us to discern those deceptive ideas and not to give in to those disordered desires and allow Him to lead us in walking in the way everlasting. That's the invitation. And we do this just like Jesus did. How did Jesus do it? He gave it. When we say we want to practice the ways of Jesus, we want to walk in his footsteps, we give ourselves to the spiritual practices that he gave himself to. And this year in 2022, if you want to walk more in the wisdom of the ways of God, don't try and do that in your own self-effort. No, tap in to Spirit's power. We walk in his footsteps when we practice silence and solitude and prayer and fasting, and Sabbathing, and scripture reading. All of these things exercising a greater dependence on God's life being at work within us. Make sense? Guys, let me just tell you, this is not some 
six successful steps to get successful by next Sunday. This is, this is timeless wisdom, timeless wisdom inviting us in to God's ways. I want to read a quick passage from this book. It gives us a picture, a powerful picture of what it means to give us to the everyday reality of walking in the ways of Jesus and give ourselves to the compound interest of living in a way that sees our light becoming brighter and brighter in a very simple and very practical way. It says this, and the author is busy writing. As I write this, I just came off a pretty rough week. A few interpersonal things had me really stressed out. And by the time my Sabbath rolled around, I was really feeling it. I've had an adult long struggle with anxiety that while better than it's ever been, still rears its ugly head on a regular basis. Sitting there on my Sabbath on my back deck on a beautiful day, I would love to tell you that I was just basking in the shalom of God, deeply happy and at peace, but I wasn't. I was stressed out, mad at a friend, and feeling tension all over my body. And as a nice addition, I was feeling anxiety over my anxiety and a deep shame over my inability to just let go. And in that moment of discouragement, when I was literally thinking, will I ever mature past anxiety's hold on my soul? I felt the Spirit bring to mind my friend Steve's graph of compound interest and then apply that not to my retirement, but to my peace. Here's John Mark Kober and, and, and his peace in his 20s. Not much to look at, a very anxious young man with a tortured sensitivity. But here's John Mark Kober and his peace in his 30s. Better, but still a long way to go. 40s, wow, I see a noticeable uptick, but still a lot of road ahead. But by the time I'm in my 60s, deep shalom, friends, deep shalom. Come what may, my soul is at peace in God. So it's with that vision of my future self in mind that I practice Sabbath every week. I can't flip a switch and control my anxiety, but I can turn off my phone. I can rest and trust that in time, God will utilize the practice of Sabbath to fill me with more of His Spirit, set me free from anxiety, and yield a harvest of peace in my soul. I'm practicing the way of Jesus as best I can and playing the long game. Don't you love that? Playing the long game. It isn't easy. I'm tempted towards some of these other instant results and the pathways that lead there. But God is today calling us to his ways of wisdom for our lives. Here it is, the last call of Proverbs, chapter 4 and verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I trust that this morning, Common Ground Bloberg 
as we've spoken to these things, that we would come to a place that we freshly, as we embark on this year and our futures, we would freshly ponder our ways. And that we would let God's life-giving ways of wisdom be the path that we walk. That we would not give ourselves to any other ways that are offered to us. That we would give ourselves to the spiritual disciplines that allow for more of the Spirit's power to be at work in us, relying more and more on Him. We're going to pray in just a moment, but I want to ask Kate if you can grab a mic. This morning, Kate was telling me about a prophetic word that she sent to a friend, just something she was feeling for them, and, and we were discussing that in the car. And then in the prayer meeting, just before the meeting, I actually felt God just say, hey, I think that word is not just a word for that friend, but I think that word could be a word for many in this room to today. So why don't you just share what you were sensing that? So um, the analogy is of um, an irrigation system. Um, and a lot of what's been spoken about today actually feeds so much into it. That sense that the rhythms that God has called us to are like an irrigation system. And if we're the garden, God will rain on us. You know, there's common grace. He will bring the rain and we will be green. But we can also give ourselves to this irrigation system that he's laid for us kindly, like in the kindness of his heart, knowing our needs, knowing us and what we need most, that he's laid this irrigation system being things like life group, coming to church and hearing his word that's living and powerful, um, walking journeys with people, serving. All these things are this irrigation system that God lays for us in our life, that we would always have that life-giving water available to us. Um, and so I think for some people, they choose to, to live out there and wait for the rain. But there's an invitation that you get to live in the irrigation system that God set up for us mm. in the kindness of his heart. Beautiful. Thanks, babe. You can take that with you. That's the invitation. How many of us have lived our lives outside of community, outside the wisdom and the ways of God, saying, yes, God, you be Lord, let it rain. We stand out there just waiting for the supernatural outpouring of God, which is beautiful. But it's beautiful as a supplement to standing in the irrigation of the beautiful garden of community and spirit-dependent life and the spiritual practices of Sabbath and, 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 and solitude and silence and getting into our words and the practices of prayer. That's the irrigation system that God, that's the garden that God wants us to live in. And then, when we're in that place, we can from time to time sing it loud. Let it rain. And God still breaks in with the surprises of heaven upon our lives. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, just while we're in this place, and while we're considering the wisdom of the worlds and we're considering the wisdom of God's ways, I want to ask, God, that you would, living God, resurrected King, creator of the universe, you would come and minister your invitation to our hearts. God, that we wouldn't so busy ourselves with the worldly wisdom dynamics of what we believe will achieve for us success, but we would give ourselves to the deep, ancient paths of surrender and dependence, of waiting on you of walking in the wisdom of your ways. 
just in this place of prayer, I feel maybe a word of knowledge for someone here that has a huge opportunity in front of them. I feel God just, just saying, weigh this opportunity. Where does this road lead? Where does this road lead? Does it lead to future kind of success in your own mind? Or does it lead to actually future busyness and stress and, and, and greater dependence on your own strength? It can be a way to walk that road in God's strength, but I feel like God just saying, weigh this opportunity. Not every seeming good opportunity in the world's eyes is God's opportunity for our lives. To some others, I feel like God's saying it's been a while since you were in spiritual community and he's welcoming you back. He's not wanting to beat you with this kind of stick of discipline. He's wanting to invite you into the garden of community to participate in the fruits of deep relationship, to participate in the joy of being amongst the people, God being our God, us being his people. God, won't you lead us in these things? Won't you call us more to yourself? Spirit, we invite you to give us eyes to see deceptive lies. I minister your truth to our disordered desires. Give us an understanding of how so many of these things that are unhelpful to us have been normalized in our society. And, and lead us, Lord, in the ways everlasting. For Bloberg, as a community, God, may they walk in the ways of Jesus. May they be so rich in the fruitfulness of this place that many others long to come and see and participate and enjoy the blessing, the shade, the fruitfulness of this garden. Because the people are committed themselves to you and to your ways in their lives. Bless us, we pray, in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Guys, why don't we stand? We're going to sing one last song before we go.